0: What does motion sound like? With Kizik Han's free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion.
1: Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Welcome to Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, a pantheon podcast. Music, Girl,
0: culture,
1: Man technology, and rock and roll. Excuse me
0: kiss this guy. And now, Miss Pamela DeBar.
2: Hello, dolls. Come on in. Welcome to Miss Pamela's Pajama Party. Pantheon podcast you're about to kick back and relax with the world's most famous groupie so I'll grab that title and I'll let you know what it actually means to be a groupie is just someone who loves music and wants to be around the people who make it and that's it that's what a groupie means it's another word for love people who want to be with the creative energy that brings us all together man who wouldn't want to be a groupie I've written several books. I guess most famously, I'm with the band. And I certainly was. I have writing workshops all over the world with my dolls. I call them dolls, and they like it. I give tours of my most amazing rock and roll history all over Hollywood. We go to places where I hung out with Jim Morrison and the Zeppelin boys and, you know, lots of interesting people, Zappa, where the GTOs, you know, hung out and danced. And I even have a clothing line called Groupie, of course. So check that out. I am very excited to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Rock and Roll Shows. Just a little bit of news here. You can find all the Pantheon shows now on Spotify, Radio.com, and most recently, Pandora. In fact, if you search, you can find us on about 40 different podcast distribution platforms these days. We are growing and growing and growing. All of us here at Pantheon love telling the stories about the great moments of rock and roll in a variety of manners. There's something for everyone. So many shows for you, so many flavors to choose from. Mm-mm-mm. Find it all online at PantheonPodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. Expect new announcements here at the top of every new Miss Pamela's Pajama Party show. Finally, and this is the one that matters the most to us if you enjoy what we do here, then please head over to PantheonPodcast.com and then share a show with a friend. Thank you. Well, today's show, my very first podcast, we have Miss Mercy from the GTOs, Girls Together Outrageously, my rock and roll all-girl group that Frank Zappa produced and sort of created. We were a dance group called Laurel Canyon Ballet Company and Frank got a hold of us, and the rest is history. Anyway, Mercy's history is just unbelievable, so I hope you enjoy her crazy stories about her incredible romances with various rock gods. I had my own rock gods. Mercy had a whole other array of rock gods. She dallied with the likes of Chuck Berry and Al Green, so you're going to hear all about that, and all about our recording sessions with Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart and Lowell George and, you know, how we wrote these songs in Zappa's basement. And I mean, you know, you're going to get an earful, okay? So hang in there with us.
3: Kick off your shoes and sit right down. And loosen up the night It's gonna be
1: alright to stop us now
2: Hi there! My name is Pamela Debar. And I am long considered the world's most famous groupie. And, and that's what's caused the most attention to myself. But I do many, many other things. Um, I am a writer. I've written five books. And I'm writing a sixth right now called Blinded by the Light, Sex, God, and Rock and Roll. So I'm going to go out on the limb with Shirley MacLaine and topple the whole tree. Because, you know, people are not going to believe the spiritual shit that's happened to me. But today... I have a very special guest. Um, She was in a group with me, the GTOs, Girls Together Outrageously. And her name is Miss Mercy, Mercy Fontenot. Sometimes I call her Font, right? Yes. (laughs) And we have quite a long relationship. The GTOs had formed already. We were a dance troupe called the Laurel Canyon Ballet Company. And we were dancing with all kinds of local bands, love, um i don't know iron butterfly uh three dog night people like that and um there were five of us and frank zappa we were dancing with the mothers one of the girls was the governess miss christine actually we got the miss from tiny tim he always called women miss but there were five of us and miss mercy is from san francisco and frank had, we were having a group meeting about the GTOs, Girls Together Outrageously. He had changed our name from Laurel Canyon Ballet Company to the GTOs. And Mercy walked. now this is is controversial Mercy because I believe I met her the day she arrived at the log cabin where Frank Zappa lived with his wife Gail and baby daughter Moon, that Miss Christine was the governess for. But she thinks we met a different time. But I'm going to read from my book, my first book, I'm With the Band about how I recall meeting Miss Mercy the first time, okay? All right. Now, Mr. Bernardo, I'm going to read about, he was a BTO. We danced with a group of boys called BTOs, mostly gay, bisexual boys, beautiful young boys, and we danced all over town with them. So that's who Mr. Bernardo is. And it was the my story.
3: boyfriend, by the way. Yes, it was your boyfriend. It was Lucy's boyfriend. Was Did you ever pro- have sex with him? Yes.
2: Oh, okay. That's good. How was it? Boring. Oh, shoot. Okay. Mr. Bernardo, why did everybody, why was he so coveted then? Because he's so gorgeous to look at. Yes, he was gorgeous to look at. Okay. Mr. Bernardo disappeared from Miss Lucy one night, and we heard the very next day that he'd been seen in San Francisco with Mercy Fontenot. Lucy was crushed because Bernardo and Mercy had been on the very first cover of Rolling Stone together which had created some inexplicable bond between them, right? Sixth
3: cover. Sixth. The sixth cover. Yes. Did I say first? Yes. Really? Yes, you did. W- weren't you on the first cover, too? No, I was on the sixth cover, oh, okay. and that was in Golden Gate Park, and Janis Joplin was on that cover. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Um, okay, he dared to flee the auditorium
2: while we danced our partially nude butts off with a new local group, Three Dog Night. He hadn't even waited for us to take our curtsies, and here we were, two days later, watching Lucy sulk. Very heavy tragedy sulking on the rock steps of the log cabin. So the fact is, Mercy, you and Lucy were vying for Bernardo at that time? Um, Were you
3: in, in, I, I had to run down competition. You have to realize I, I ran away From Haight-Ashbury Because I was under arrest with the general authorities That's why I ended down here And I actually went to, went to the Cheetah And I read in another part of your book That you have in your diary That the first time that you saw me I was dancing and I had this purse That looked like a raccoon And mm. this is what you had said You, you did, need to look up but, but earlier did, did I meet you then? No you saw me. It was enough to scare you then. <laughs> we were always commi- commiserating
2: heartily with each other, and that's what we were doing when the foliage dramatically parted and Bernardo appeared, arm in arm, with Mercy Fontenot. Conversation ceased, and we were staring at a plump version of Theta Berra wrapped in layers and layers of torn that's rags. That's the cheetah. No, this is when you walked in the door. Well, you, this is how you were. This is how I, is how I, I remember you. meeting you. <laughs> Thank think you uh, <laughs> an exotic bag girl with raccoon eye makeup that dusted down both cheeks. And looked like she had twisted two hunks of coal round and round
3: on her eyelids. Oh, well, that's true. Is that accurate? Okay. Well, oh, that's pretty accurate.
2: Her lipstick was a red seeping slash. I knew it was. Kind of red. like it is today. And both earlobes. had, had been sp- not like that. And, and had been split down the middle by the weight of too many dangerous earrings dangling too far down. She was carrying a beat up satchel that had once been an alligator. Not so where a did he get Cinderella? So where did he get Cinderella was with me. The seams of the of the of the satchel were bursting open, shedding gaudy garments with each step of her black patent leather pumps. But it Cinderella looked, was It looked also as if there. she had come to stay. It was frightening. Okay. Okay. Got that so, part. but so, where Cinderella come from? <laughs> so, so, I don't remember I'm how. But I tell very you soon, she was with us. It was very soon after that that Cinderella joined the band too. And the reason he said Frank pointed at you. When you walked through the door with Bernardo, not Cinderella,
3: and said, there is your new GTO. And why was I there? You know why I was there? Yeah, to I- score some speed with his darn nanny. <laughs> well,
2: yes, Miss Christine was the nanny, and Miss Christine was a speed freak. And everybody just loved her she, because she took care of the Zappa cabin. Like she was on speed because she was. Yes, yeah, she, she was. She <laughs> was always cleaning something. You know? Yes, she
3: was. Or making or, or something. Or making Go some sewing. You, most
2: incredible clothes. Oh my God, she. Yeah, we miss all of our GTOs. There's only three of us left. Mercy and I out of the seven. Mercy and me and Miss Sparky, and we don't see her much, sadly. Um, and I'm, I'm going to read a little more about this because it's so great description of you. Mercy, well, if I don't say so myself, is that rude to say I have good writing skills? No,
3: she's very <laughs> talented. That's not rude
2: at all. Mercy scared me. She was such a threat to normalcy that I thought of her as a human facsimile and would not in agreement rather than tell her she ought to put her brain in an industrial-sized washing machine and wring it out real good and hang it up to dry. I remember that. She always seemed on the verge of saying something very profound and would catch herself just in time to leave you hanging in suspense until you realized she had left the room. (laughs) (laughs) When I met her, she had already taken a thousand acid trips, and her mind was on the endangered species list. She was tired of the San Francisco scene and was looking for something new. Her timing was
3: unravaged and impeccable. That is very beautiful, except that I wasn't looking for something new. I was escorted down here because I was running away from juvenile authorities. I could not go home. I had no choice in the matter. Okay. So you can't help that. So how did you feel about Zappa at that time? Uh, I didn't have any feelings at all for him. I, Zappa, to me, was uh, uh, some kind of gimmick because the way that they perceived him and made him look, like with the mothers, here they are in a bunch of drag dresses, and he was on the toilet, and that's basically what they tried <laughs> to do, make him to come across. So he meant nothing Who's to they? me. Who's they? Frank was doing the that media? himself. The media. Fra- well, he was the media then. That's well, he was doing... That was his image, you know. He was trying to. Yeah, but that image to me is not not a very uh, uh, prolific or or, 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 or appetizing <laughs> or, or some, somebody he, I wanted to hang out with. He, he was trying to to get into the the
2: scene and in, in the music world and be recognized by doing that bullshit. But his real, you know, love was his actual music. You know that. I
3: understand it, but I didn't know that when I. All I knew was what the media. Uh, had said right. about him. So when I get up there, I go, oh, okay, big deal. I'm at Frank Zappa's house, you know. And then <laughs> after I got hired by him and I started to watch him, I. Intently became aware of what a genius I was around. He loved R and B. He started in El Monte. Yep, he yep, loved yep. classical music. I met Zubin Zubin Mehta at his house, and he would. He was totally into soul music, and totally just. Besides that, I think his biggest dream was to, and I think he did it, was to uh, conduct the uh, Philharmonic. No, right? the 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 very big one, the Vienna. The Vienna oh. Classical Orchestra, and I think he did it. I think he got his dream come true. Well, he he conducted a lot of orchestras. No, that but that was his big one, I, I think. I don't even remember that. Oh, I do. That's one of the I think I think that's one of the last things he did, but that's what he was working his way towards. But after you were around him, you you sat there and went, oh, my God. He said when you walked in that we needed a bizarre element. Yes, okay.
2: <laughs> Is that okay with you? Sure. <laughs> So you slowly immersed yourself in the GTOs. Did you get your speed from Miss Christine that day?
3: Do you remember that? I'm sure we went out somewhere and tried. You know, it was not easy to get speed in L.A. It was easy in San Francisco where I came from. I was already a speed freak. It was difficult here. Yeah. Yeah, but we would get some once in a while. But basically they were pushing second alls and and alcohol and two and alls. Yeah. Yeah. I took a lot of those. But, uh, yeah, you. my doctor is basically who I had to get stuff from. It's amazing how they would do that back then, huh? Oh, God, they didn't know anything about anything. Yeah, I know. We were we took a lot of
2: drugs, but I think you took way more than I did.
3: I tried. I did them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came from Haight-Ashford, and the, <laughs> the government had already moved in. Yeah. And they were loading every... And the mob, which is part of the government... Okay, all I'm going to say is that the mob which had pushed the Beatniks out when I first started. I was in Beatnikville in North Beach. Moved over to uh, Panhandle Park because they had so many tourists and the mob had moved in that they needed to get out of there. They did not like attention, Beatniks, City Lights and, and Ginsburg and all those people. So they got a cheap place where the rent was cheap called the Blue Unicorn they opened, which was across from Panhandle Park. And that's where all the beatniks were. So I started with them, and that's in haight Ashbury. Were you a groupie yet? Was I a group? I already chased the Stones in, in '64. Yes, right. But didn't you? Hadn't
2: you already had some liaisons with various rock stars? No, at that I had point? a li- My first liaison with a beatnik. Oh yeah, but what about the guy, the British rock star you slept with real early on? Who? Wait a minute, weren't you chasing... You, no, what was the first band you chased? Bo Brummel's. So Bo Brummel's. Br-
3: they were not British. Were, oh, I thought they were they British. They were Tom Dot. Though no, they're trying to be British. They were Tom Donnie who started FM Radio with uh, Slice Stone up in San Francisco with uh, k soul or K-D-I-A. But, but you chased after them. Well, I thought they were cute. Did you ever get a hold of any of them? No, I was 14. Oh,
2: okay. Well, hey, look what happened... After our era, those all those girls were 13 and 14. Yeah, but not
3: during my era. The first sex I had was at 15 with a beatnik. <laughs> but I okay. actually did chase the Stones and followed them at the night that Keith got electrocuted in Sacramento. They were playing with Patty LaBelle and the Blue Bells, and then he got electrocuted, and we followed the car, and he got out of one car, the Stones, took Keith away. And then... Um, uh, we fall into the little bungalows that we in and Mick was pacing up and down because he was freaked out about Keith. And um, I, we, we actually ended up in the room with Brian Jones and Charlie Watson who got locked out. And we were we, Brian was going through his suitcase. That's before I ever felt like jumping on anybody. Okay, all right. Well, so what what is a groupie as, as far as you're
2: concerned? Or, and, and do you consider yourself a groupie? We're we're often called the
3: GTOs group of
2: groupies.
3: I know, but that's ridiculous. I don't go after groups. I go back after single people in groups. Well, okay, but we spent a lot of time hanging with groups. Yes, we did, didn't we? Well, I mean,
2: that's obviously where the word groupie comes from. And people say it's a a, you know derogatory, really derogatory, negative whore type term, which. It's bullshit because remember when we would sit around with the Jeff Beck group with Rod Stewart and
3: so Nicky Hopkins had to come and all of that? My, they had no money. They had the hitchhike. I hitchhiked with Rod Stewart to go get his stuff at the Glass Farmhouse. They didn't have any money. I they, know we, <laughs> we used to hitchhike with these bands. You know these British bands would come to town, and it's
2: true they didn't have any money. Although they were staying at Chateau Marmont, well, remember? but they had nothing to eat. We stayed at the Chateau Marmont and visited, hang out with them a lot, and they made us watch soccer. Do you
3: remember that? No. Well, at least they didn't make us watch porn.
2: We had to sit around and watch soccer with this band. I don't remember that.
3: was probably Rod. That was Rod. That was the whole band. I remember. Mm. Anyway, they stayed at the Chateau Marmont. How about the time that I made a man? Let's get into you. How about the time that I was sitting there with the Jeff Beck group? And they just brought Rod Stewart out. And I said to Rod, I'm sitting there talking to Rod, who, by the way, is a great soul singer. I mean, he I spent the night with him. He listened to David Ruffin she all night. She didn't, you know. I, didn't, I slept in the same bed, but I didn't sleep <laughs> okay. with them because they brought in the black groupies from New York. They had them flown in. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but I, was I didn't
2: long, sleep with them either. But we were friends with this band, and they played on our record. Because now, Rod
3: Stewart just sang. Jeff Beck was hired. Jeff Beck and yeah. Nikki Hopkins were hired by Frank. And Rod... Okay, this is what I was trying to get to the point that happened with okay. you. Okay, all right. You got me on my track. I'm on a track. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Okay. I love what it when happened you're on track. Was, I was uh, talking to Rod. I was saying, you know, well, Rod, uh, people are coming to see Jeff Beck because they haven't heard of you yet. And he just flipped out. I, oh, mean, I know. This guy would... You know, he just, his ego is yeah, very it's big. It's such a huge we ego. We didn't know how, how popular he was in England. So I he, don't think he was popular
2: yet. He liked to think he was.
3: I think he was. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, locally, yeah. It's kind of like Al Green but, but this in was Memphis. His, yeah. This
2: was his first band, though, the Jeff Beck group.
3: Here. Yeah. But he had been in many other groups, and I think he had his following and, and was considered an idol there. But He here. asked if he could sleep on my floor. He sent me a, a card
2: with a photo of him and Ron Wood.
3: Wait a minute! I didn't get that, wait a minute. Hold Let, on.
2: Wait, I have to. I'll never okay. remember. I'll, I'll forget. And he sent me this photo, <laughs> and he said, "I'm bringing Ronnie Wood to town." No one knew who he was yet, right? Faces hadn't even formed yet. And he said, "Can we sleep on your floor?" I still have that card. It's pretty. Oh my god! I know it's pretty awesome.
3: Oh my god! So but, anyway, by the time but when, that happened, he they they got a hotel. <laughs> so when 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 I said that to him and he blew up, he just went like ballistic. Pamela had to come in and do him a favor to calm him down. I don't know if she remembers that, but off they went into (laughs) the bedroom. Do him a favor? That's kind of what it was.
2: That's nothing I actually wrote about, Mercy. That's a private thing. Okay, so we'll just cut that out. (laughs) I don't care. It's 50 years ago now. Okay, so then do you remember how egoic he got when we were recording?
3: Okay, because well, Jeff
2: Beck brought him to the studio and we were recording our album with Zappa, producing along with Lowell George,
3: which was an amazing duo, right? Frank later fired well, him because yeah, he smoked yeah, pot. Well, yeah, yeah. He was Lowell one of George the mothers is at Marvel. He marvelous. Time. He's, I, I, as years go on, I find out more and more how Marvel makes oh, is so special. So, uh, yeah, I spent a whole bunch of time doing it. Um, I have a paintbrush in my hand. With him, I mean, I would sing it to him, and he would write it down, and then we—that's one of the
2: GTO songs, which we're going to play right now. Now, as, as you could hear, is that was, was that
3: the one with Rod? No. Okay. Then I, I did Shock Treatment. So okay. I did that about Keith Richards. I was sitting outside of Sunset Sound, and I was thinking about Keith because he's so cute. And I wrote Shock Treatment, but I had more lyrics. When I was in the studio, oh, I started right. to sing it, and I did the intro with Nicky Hopkins on Celeste. Doing the intro, and I had just said to Frank he had had uh, you've been using Jeff on Captain's Fat Teresa Shoes. It's a great song. song no, on like Eureka Deefart. Springs, garbage Later, lady, which is one of the worst I've ever heard in my life. Oh, but anyway. Come on. Anyway, and I said, could you just kind of use this guy? He's kind of like one of the greatest guitar players in the world. He said, well, what do you want to use him on, Mercy? And I said, well, it's your song, maybe. And I said, yeah, let's do that. And so he started shock treatment. And so he played so well on it. Yeah, he did. So we're. Before that, he had pitched a bitch, Rod, because nobody was paying any attention to him. They had to go find him out of some playground and bring him back in. I need to tell that story. Can we stop and
2: tell that story? Okay. Rod Stewart disappeared from the studio because he was so bummed out no one was utilizing his talent, right?
3: I guess. And he was
2: sulking and pissed off, and, and he disappeared. So... Several of us, the GTOs—I guess you were working with Frank at that point—we went out trying to find him, and we found him finally sitting on the steps of a school. This must have been a, like a Sunday afternoon. We we're recording, and and had to convince him to come back into the studio and and say. And we told him, "Yeah, you can do some. You can sing. You can sing."
3: You know, so that's I that's don't how know. Didn't didn't know that part, but yeah, what we, happened? Bryce, him back into the okay, studio. Okay, so I'm starting to do the intro. Now I don't even know what the rest of my lyrics are anymore because they're missing because he did this. Um, <laughs> I did the intro with Nikki doing this, Celeste, like I said. And Jeff Beck comes jamming in with his guitar. And I, I did the intro. And then they start doing The girls in the background are going, Chalk Tree Man, or let me go. After I did the intro. And all of a sudden, Rod starts singing. Shock treatment. Oh, let me go yeah, and, and add living. This whole song that I had wrote. And I said, you know what? Just let this guy sing because he's really good. I had never really heard him. <laughs> no, I didn't know. We hadn't. So now we're gonna hear a little bit of that
2: song with Rod. they, Mercy, in the GTOs?
3: Did you consider yourself outrageous? My life is just my life. I started in Haight-Ashbury. I was always outrageous. Yes. You know what we should do now, while we're still on the GTOs topic?
2: Why don't we read some of our lyrics from our lyric book? Why don't that you came read with that the one? album? Why don't okay. you
3: read the fun one? Okay. I think it's fun because I haven't okay, been married I'm, I'm black read, people. Mercy's
2: insisting we, I read this, but to me, it's slightly controversial because of. It sounds like it is, but remember, this was 1968 when we wrote this.
3: Actually, it's, it's a love song. If you think about it, it's really <laughs> insane how great they are. Yes, no, I, we always appreciated these guys. Oh my God, the soul singers are the best. But but the, well, these
2: these were guys that hung out on the Sunset Strip. Think they were pimps. They, they, I, think they were pimps. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were pimps. They were pimps. They were. They dressed real flashy. These black guys, and they had these incredible hairdos that. Came Conk. into a perfect point. They, they were called conks. I didn't even know Conk. that. Yeah, so you Conk, yes. Conk, wow. Well, to me, it looked like an ice cream cone. To me and Sparky, it looked like the way an ice cream cone was shaped. So that's what this song is about. These guys who tried to pick us up on the Sunset Strip, but we were into really just long-haired hippies and no, rock you stars. you Rock stars. No, well, you were. I was. Mercy was always into the black guys. Okay, we're going to get into that. All right. I'm just going to read this. This is called, Wouldn't It Be Sad If There Were No Cones? Now, that's the name. And that's why the word cone is, you know, it only means the gosh darn hairdo shaped like an ice cream cone. Okay. All right. Wouldn't it be sad if there were no cones? No, not ice cream cones. Cones are soul brothers with processed points at the tips of their foreheads. Some wear lime green phosphorescent imitation leather jackets and pants. Others are fairly normal formal excepting those flood ankles on their bright orange slacks. That's a flashy outfit, Minnie Mama. Hey now, hey now, hey now, I can kiss your thigh. These are words they actually spoke to us. They said, hey now, hey now, I could kiss your thigh. How great is that? It warranted a song. They stand in front of the wiggy-a-go-go, Slapping their chins. Yeah, mama. That's what they did. (laughs) We really respect them for their confidence. It's too bad everyone can't be as confident as a cone. They're great losers. They were always actually quite sweet about it. You know, they tried really hard. Do the skate, shingling, boogaloo. Come on with me, darling, and we'll spin some fine platters, baby. Sparky and I spoke this song, by the way. They, a lot of them were spoken word because a couple of the girls got arrested and busted and thrown in jail. It was juvie, though, right? No. Because you were No,
3: no, no. I got thrown in jail. By this time, I'm
2: 19. Okay, Mercy was in jail. Christine got arrested, and her parents took her back to San Pedro. And so Sparky and I, Frank gave up the record. He said, nope. We're not going to do this, you know, because he was so anti-drug. A lot of people think Frank Zappa was on acid. He was completely anti-drug. So he broke the group up, stopped paying us our salary. It was really great. Thanks, Mercy. And um, so Sparky and I had to go in. You give some credit to Christine. and live with him, okay? I know. (laughs) I give her the same credit. But Frank changed his mind and later brought Sparky and I in to read the lyrics of the songs we were going to record. So that's what this is. Oh, Cones, you send us with your fantastic lines. What's your favorite form of recreation, darling? Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now, I could kiss your thigh. Say, Snow White, can I give you a ride in my Out of Sight in Meadow Flake Bonneville? Hey, darling, you come with me, woman, to my Righteous Pad in L.A., and we can booze it up and have some fine loving. <laughs> Hey now, hey now, hey now, I could kiss your thigh. I guess that is sort of a It's not a, a negative thing. It's, it's not, actually
3: a tribute because you're a, saying that they have lots of confidence and that, it, that you know, they're not, they're not sore losers. And everything <laughs> in there is actually a positive statement. I really admired them. And, you know, I, we were, we loved them so much. How so we about Champagne? Remember Champagne? Champagne, Champagne yes. one of the most beautiful pimps, most great <laughs> outfits. And I took him to the uh, Alice Cooper's <laughs> Coming Out party. Oh, that's,
2: uh, that's one of my bullet points. Let's talk about that party. Okay. Alice Cooper was signed to Zappa's label. Okay. Let, let me tell you how that happened. Uh, Miss Christine was seeing Alice Cooper, aka Vince Fernier, <laughs> And um, they were a brand new band from Arizona. And she had got th- had a big crush on him. They were falling in love and everything. And Frank had just gotten his label. GTOs were signed to. And he was looking for bands. So uh, Christine asked Frank, could she bring the Alice Cooper band to audition to see if he would sign them, and he said, okay, sure, have them come on over here about 8 o'clock tomorrow, and rubes that they were, they showed up at 8 a.m. at Frank Zappa's house. In the That's insane. Okay, but anyway,
3: Frank very grumpily got up and listened to them play and signed them. And they got Chef Gordon actually at the landmark because one of the Chambers brothers took Alice over, because Alice lived with us and. the... And a lot of people lived at the landmark where Janice ended up dying. The landmark later. hotel hotel. Where, where a lot of the GTOs else. She died live. there later. But we, when we lived there, three GTOs lived there. Alice Cooper lived there. The Chambers brothers lived there. Shep Gordon lived there. And one of the Chambers brothers, which I believe was Willie, took alice did it didn't have the the uh, manager Shepin, who's in
2: ship wound, wound up managing them
3: right because willie uh took him over and said we you should manage these guys and he said yes and that's for that there was also another guy involved Shepin. i don't remember his partner oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah he yeah. had a partner
2: yeah anyway he, alice got a manager and a record deal and everything you know, and now, and he's still performing. He's such a great guy.
3: I'm yeah, he's sure. the nicest guy in the world. Oh my isn't?
2: God, he's so. And we precious. just had
3: our picture take. We just—he did the Grammy uh, Museum. We have photos of him and us and Dee Snyder uh, at his movie Super Duper, because Super Duper, Duper and Alice Cooper. Yeah, he gave us movie. credit actually for helping to to create form his him. look.
2: Yeah, the GTOs, you know, were very influential girls at the time. We we did many creative endeavors and helped a lot of people with their looks. We used to take, I took all of Led Zeppelin to the Glass Farmhouse. Mercy mentioned the Glass Farmhouse earlier. That was um, the only vintage clothing store in LA, and it was in Silver Lake. And we knew Helen, the owner, real well. We spent so much time there. And, you know, you could buy a turn-of-the-century, you know, gown, net unbelievable stuff for like 5 bucks or less you yeah. know
3: yeah well, but let's go back to the Alice Cooper okay the okay. Alice Cooper party Warner <laughs> I guess Warner Brothers is throwing it and I was and the Cockettes for the what, the Cockettes from San Francisco the original RuPaul people whatever transgender not transgender transsexual uh, were the waitresses? That's how crazy this place was. We had Richard Chamberlain, Robin C. We're and talking
2: our... nineteen sixty nine here. Yes, we right. are at 60, the Ambassador,
3: 80. and I was asked to. Was it the Ambassador Hotel? Yes. Yes. I didn't remember. I was, where it was. Yes, I was asked wow. to come, come, pop out of the cake. Okay. So, there was this gigantic cake. cake okay? And I was supposed to pop huge. out nude. And she. Wait. No, I'm going to tell the first. She was on Angel Dust. No, but you don't know what happened when I was on Angel Dust. They said to me, uh, Bobby Kennedy died in here, and that just oh, set me off. That's oh, what happened. Oh, I kept my Mercy. clothes on. That's what happened. They shouldn't have said that to me. And I, when I popped out of the cake, I was. <laughs> you shouldn't have been on Angel Dust. Okay. You no, know, I had to do. I loved Angel Dust. Anyway, I had to do something, so I threw all the cake. I threw the cake at the audience when I popped out. Mercy, popped out of this cake. You
2: were supposed to be topless, but you wouldn't do it. No. I can't have a and robot. I know. But Frank wanted her to be topless. But she leapt out of this cake, and she wasn't supposed to
3: take big hunks of it and throw it at the audience. And I did it. I hit Rod <laughs> McCute in the face. He thanked me <laughs> later when I was... <laughs> in you know, a paper and a,
2: yeah and it, she was in the paper coming out of the cake with this oh big yeah i did make the times. cake
3: on her hands and and she was just hurling it. that was not part of the program i have that picture and um <laughs> um uh, the times put it in the next day my mother saw it and also champagne <laughs> the guy that i have brought there in his suit was actually featured in the that
0: you in know story as a,
3: no, in, in the photo. In the oh. photo. Yeah. Oh, you have to show in me. I don't, I, remember I don't have that well. photo. I oh. wish I did. Okay.
2: In, well, anyway, she threw cake at everyone.
3: and I'm Not it, at everybody, but just different. Well, I never not know was in was her doing. way. I was freaked out. Bobby Kennedy. I was in the pantry when they put me in the cake. I'm <laughs> sorry, Mercy. That was awful. You know, Richard Chamberlain was there. Do you remember you know, that? God, I love Richard Chamberlain so much. I had such I, a crush on him. I didn't know he was gay. I
2: know. I know. No one cares? knew. No, I mean Joe no Cares gay no. then, but anyway. Um but, but he was getting a kick out of it. I know because a lot of people came to that that party thinking Alice Cooper was a debutante. A girl that was, right, that right, it was right. supposed to be her coming out party, you know, and so they were really surprised about. It. Remember TV Mama? Yes, this how could I forget her? Huge black lady, lady stripper, right. right? Was called TV Mama. Right, I she had TVs all over the stage with her and They were on. I don't remember that, but I sure remember her. Uh, yeah, and she she stripped. It was amazing. And then Alice Alice Cooper played, of course. It was a very fun party. But another thing I remember that night. Mercy, since she was very, very high on angel dust, Brian Jones had recently passed away and she loved him so much. And she, <laughs> were backstage waiting for the whole show to begin and she got down on her knees and demanded, She, for some reason, Brian Jones came to her mind she, and she demanded that he appear before her. Do you remember this? Well, you probably don't, you're on no. angel dust. She said, Brian Jones, appear before me. I love you, Brian, and went on and on. And just at that moment, some poor blonde kid walked in the door. Oh, I know you remember With bangs, with bangs, blonde bangs. And she crawled over to him and latched onto his legs and wouldn't let go. I
3: don't remember that. You thought he
2: was Brian Jones? Oh, God. (laughs) I kind of remember half of it, but I don't remember all of it. (laughs) Oh, that was great. We have some really good memories, don't we? Yeah, we have a lot of them. Yeah. What do you remember about the Shrine? You know, we only did about four or five gigs. Uh, and um, one of them, our biggest one, was at the Shrine Auditorium.
3: It was really good. We rehearsed very at the Lindsay we, Arthur House We rehearsed that. and We had rehearsed. it down perfectly. We did. Except we did. what happened is we had two friends, and Graham Parsons and Chris Hellman, that decided to come pick her up and take us for a ride in the, the car with Graham. And they... Gave us, I had a pot, and it was so strong that when I walked, when we walked back into the shrine, I saw Christine at the top of the stairs, and she's yelling, "If you fuck this up, I'll kill you." <laughs> no. But you know, we didn't,
2: we, we, didn't, we didn't screw anything it up. up. We were it, perfect. It's a miracle that we didn't screw anything up because we were so high. You know, I now I've I've stopped smoking pot a long time ago. But so like. Graham Parsons had a very <laughs> dear friend of ours, Flying Burrito Brothers, he had money. So he had the best drugs of anybody, right? I don't we're, we're gonna do a whole show about Graham one day, Mercy and I. But he that he picked he came to first of all, the fact that Chris and Graham came to our gig was because we'd been to every one of their gigs and it was such a thrill. I remember when the curtains parted, you know how certain things are like a photograph? The curtains parted and they were standing there in our backstage. I mean it was just so thrilling. But Graham said you wanna take a ride around the shrine. <laughs> And he got mercy, and I so high before, right before
3: we went on. Right before, but it you know didn't hurt us. (laughs) No, it didn't hurt us. I think it came off great because we had done that. We had done the rehearsal so much that it was like embedded in us. I don't think anything could have thrown us up. Once we got into it, once you're on stage, you get into a whole other mode. It's it's a whole other. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah.
2: We I think we did great, and I I saw people out there filming, and we still haven't gotten the footage. Which I would
3: love. Uh, we have a few shots that actually somebody threw away in a garbage can. Yeah, and our this guy that, repre- that kinda represents that kind of represents us, Steve uh, Stephen Crane. That oh yeah, well uh, he, he he does our Facebook page, right? Actually, got a hold of these photos of us at the shrine. They were thrown in a garbage can, which is bizarre. I wonder how he got those. Somebody sent them to him. They said we found this in a garbage can. Another way Mercy and I bonded, because,
2: you know, it took me a little while to, you know, understand her. Um, did you like me right away? Well, what's not to like about you? Well, <laughs> well thank you. Um, <laughs> but we bonded uh, of our, like, our, our same taste in music. Right. Well, some of them. Yeah. Some of them. Well, I mean, I, I appreciated all the music that you loved, um, but we bonded over Graham, of course. Yes. The other GTOs wouldn't go hear Graham Parsons and the burritos play. But Mercy and I, sometimes, you know, we were the only people in the audience at the Palomino, you know, a handful of other people. But we were the only people dancing, that's for sure.
3: Many we're times. At all, at all the burrito, yeah. Burrito Brothers um, sessions. And it was really amazing. Well, oh, that's why right. we got to go to
2: those sessions, too. But we're going to talk about Graham on another uh, show. Um, and Dylan. We bonded on Bob Dylan. Well, we still bond we on Bob Dylan. On, we worship him. And why do you love Dylan so much? Because he wrote my life. He wrote my life, too.
3: There you have it. He and continued. we both met him. And yes. we both, he, both of us met him at different times. She had a better chance than I did. But I still had a door open. And she had a door open. And we both closed it in his face. We did. Well, yeah. he, he was going out with a friend of mine. And, and I don't...
2: Do that, I mean, I wanted to because he he was interested. In fact, you know, as long as we're both not dead, I still have hope for Dylan. But I hear he got just got married again. What? He's married to another black woman. He's been married many, many times. My God, he has many children.
3: He had told me to come back and see him, and I never did it. I I just wouldn't do it. And he had offered her—I don't know what he. Yes, he said he wanted to write with me.
2: And he took my phone number, he took my phone number and called me and I wasn't home. And you know, my assistant at the time just didn't care. I I called from the gym and I said, did anybody call me today? And she said, no, oh wait, yeah, Bob Dylan called. That's how it happened. I went, what? She was kind of like (laughs) an indie. you know what I mean? She was an indie trigger. She didn't care about Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, what else shall we discuss? Tell me about
3: your love for soul music. My love for soul music. I love soul music. I love the roots music. I, I'm from like Florida, Texas. Any place there's a racetrack. My father was a gambler. He was a. Uh, we lived next to a racetrack. So I was all over the place in the United States where the roots music was coming from, including country, including Soul music, and there was also Wolfman Jack who did border radio out of here that was doing that. What is it, 20, 100,000 watts of out of, off the shore, whatever he was doing? <laughs> so I became in love with, I mean, I just love soul music to me, it caught me. And so I went and traced, I started going after soul people, and uh, I went after the barques, I went after, and by going after the barques who I would then end up working for, but before that, I traced him to Memphis and then in that 1970, bad timing. Very bad timing for one thing. Martin Luther King had just been killed there. and It didn't even dawn on me. I was staying at the uh, Lorraine Mattel. That's where Tini Hodges, the great guitarist for Al Green, put me. That's who we ended up hanging with, Tini Hodges, and he took us over to Royal Studios and we they took me over to this stucco house, and they said, this is our new lead singer. His name's Al Green. He's going to be really big. And, <laughs> I, and I thought, this is a straight-looking dude, because I'm like used to the bar cave and all these freaks. And he said, well, would you like to stay with me? And I said, no, not really. But when we went back to the studio and he started singing, I went... uh, Well, I might change my mind on this one, (laughs) but then he got, uh, anyway, so I got to see all those sessions with Al Green before every, he had a hit, a local hit, this is what I'm talking about like with Rod Stewart, Mm -hmm. and local hits in like England with Rod Stewart, but in Memphis, Al had uh, Can't Get Next to You, a remake of uh, the Temptation song which was a big hit, and we were riding around in cars and going to see how the sales were going and doing all that, and it was it was real big, and everybody knew who Al Green was there, but nobody knew it outside, and we, I would have to get out. We went to certain places, and I would have to get out of car. I mean, ducked out a cars so we couldn't be seen. We went to this because one. Because she co- was white. Yes. We went to this one. They would kill you. <laughs> uh, we went to this one uh, club where they all met, and Elvis owned it, and I can't think of the name of it. Oh, what was the name of that club? <gasps> it's not Henry Randall's Hideaway. I thought it was, but it's not. Oh. Um, uh, he oh. told me, Teenie told me again, and Steve Cropper and all the sex people and all the royal people, anybody, Donald Duck Dunn, Booker T, anybody you could think Isaac Hayes, anybody you could think of that was doing that music were all hanging there. And I was hanging with Al Green, and we were going to some la- a black lady's house and smoking pot and everything. Then after that, when I tried to call him, he had another girl staying there, and later she—I don't know if that's the one that blew her brains out, <laughs> uh, or supposedly blew her brains out that ended her his career because— Is that the one with the grits? Yes. She there poured was hot
2: a, grits in his pants, Supposedly. Yep.
3: Supposedly. Supposedly she—this is not all— this is all media. Um, she supposedly he wouldn't marry her through hot He was at the top. Actually, when he was at the very top, I wrote him a letter. And when he got to LA, I hooked up with him.
2: Oh, you got to tell that story. This is one of the best stories of, of musician groupie stories in the history of the world. Can I tell it? Okay. And 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 then you can chime in if I get it wrong.
3: Okay. He sent you a letter or you sent him a letter? I, s- I wrote him a really good letter. I, you know, yeah, When I'm right, I can write. <laughs> yeah,
2: she's a good writer too.
3: And he called me up and he said, Did you really write that letter? And, and I said, Yeah. Did and- he
2: remember you from Memphis?
3: Of or, course. Oh, he did. Oh, well, you're so memorable. He had asked memorable. me to stay with him, <laughs> I and mean, I said no. But um, okay, so he goes, "Well, when I come in town, and at this time he's number one. He's playing uh, Disneyland. He's playing the uh, Coliseum. He called me one time. I'm going with my. I thought it was the Forum, wasn't it? No, the forum? He, he played the Forum. That's when I got a hold of him. Oh. He tried oh, okay. Disneyland, but okay. it didn't work. Okay, and um, um, I was going with uh dating Sugiotis, who I was really in love with. She married him later. But when I came in, uh, my girlfriend Donna Bates is a great artist right now. She's really in the top right now, who I knew, always knew was a great artist. She owned this place called the Wilton Hilton that's really famous, actually infamous throughout history, throughout rock and roll history. Why? What, because the people who've lived there? Uh, the Screamers, Blondie, everybody oh, oh. has started. Well, supposedly where punk rock started, but... Okay, so anyway, Al Green, so I come in with Shuggy, and she, he's with Fane Pridge, and Donna said, um, you know, Al Green's uh, going to call you back, so I said, in front of Shuggy, so I said, oh, okay.
2: God. Oh, jeez, um,
3: that's rough. So then he called back, and he said, come over to the uh, uh, Hyatt house, I'm here. So my friend took me over there. I spent the night with him. He played all his music. We smoked pot. Okay. He, played, he had a suitcase full of money from the Forum, and he gave me $5 to take a taxi home. <laughs> <laughs> How cheap is that? But wait, we have to stop here. While they were making love, or whatever you
2: want to call it, Mercy, he played his own music. He listened he, so yeah. He, well, he's probably listening back, yeah, uh, but I think on. about listening that, back that's to the, the best show thing in the world. just. Most people would would play something, some other
3: romantic. Maybe he was so listening he, back. Do you think while he was doing you? Yeah, maybe he was listening Jeez. back <laughs> because God. I had just come back from the forum. Maybe he was listening back to his per er, his performance. As a I thought you told me he
2: was playing his new record or something.
3: No, I said he was playing his own music. Playing his
2: own music.
3: I still think that's incredible. Listening. Well.
2: That 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 he would have sex to his own music. I just think I don't that's know if that's what he was doing anymore than
3: listening to his own well, music.
2: Well, he was having sex with you at the time.
3: Well, you know, it was no big thing. He said, "Here, listen to this while we do it." I mean, that's no. Just he incredible. didn't say that. Oh, he just put it on the background. <laughs> that's not what he said. <laughs> but
2: still, what oh, anyway it cracks me up. I think it's one of the greatest things ever. That's my favorite part of that story. Okay, the five dollars is weird. <laughs> well,
3: how about him opening up the suitcase full? Of, and then and the weirdest <laughs> thing that happened is, okay, this really happened. I go to open the door and two people, two oh, women Lord. fall at my feet who were up against like with a glass to the door who ended up <laughs> later blackmailing him. Oh, wow. It got it got heavier and heavier. You have to realize people in Memphis were very, very uh, uh, gangster related. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm going to read a little bit of the "Ooh, Ooh Man, one of my songs, one of my, my GTO songs. It's about Nick St. Nicholas, who was the bass player for Steppenwolf. And I love this guy so much. God, was he gorgeous and talented and funny. And he was German. So, um, Originally from Sparrow. Yeah, he was in a band called Sparrow, and then he did Trust in Men Everywhere, Time, really great. And he's still playing. He has a, a band called the World Classic Rockers, and they do corporate gigs and make a fortune. In fact, he, he sent me a Valentine message. Oh, my God. I know, after all these years. It he was my crazy. first lover, by the way. Okay, I'm in love with the ooh ooh man. He was born and raised in schnitt, schnit land. What does that mean? Nick St. Nicholas used to go ooh ooh ooh, schnit, schnit, schnitt. schnitt, schnitt. For no reason. He would just say it. And where is he from? I, I think it's I, I think he's German. I mean, oh, that, might, that, that where makes Schmitt sense comes okay. from. Oh, the things he says just flutter my heart, flutter my heart, flutter my heart. But mind you, he never brings sorrow. And this is another thing he said. he he, he non sequiturs is what he was very famous for non sequiturs. Why would you use that word? I don't
3: understand it, but I guess everybody <laughs> out there does. <laughs> <laughs> um he said I may look elegant now, but
2: Crazy Horse gets this tomorrow. And that was one of his managers. He had nicknames for everyone. I never found out his nickname for me, but anyway. Um, we were once behind a codge and a girl, and we waited as he tried to date her. But we were in a car. But my love became impatient. <laughs> Pick up your big black shoe and put it on the accelerator. Anyway, that's that's all I'm going to uh read of that because you can listen to it right now. Now I was a huge Mick Jagger fan, huge Stones fan from minute one. Me too. And and Mercy had met them in San Francisco.
3: No, Sacramento. Oh, it was it Sacramento? That was when one he got.
2: Keith got all that cute. Oh, okay. Because we were seeing the Burrito Brothers one night uh, at the um, Corral in Topanga. And now Mercy and I ever never missed the Burrito Brothers.
3: No, I didn't meet them. And I met them later. Yeah, that's the that's time. Yeah, time. I met okay.
2: them. I don't you know how... had met them before I did, is what I'm saying. Yes, I knew them. Okay, yeah. okay. So we were dancing to the burritos, and the feeling in the this tiny little dumpy club, very few people in it, and we've just felt the roof lift off of this darn little club, and all of the stones walked in to see the burritos. You know,
0: right? Keith, they Keith all Graham, sat
2: down. To... Keith and Graham were very close. Too close. Too close. It was uh, crazy. Let's uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into it later. But um, as we were dancing, Mick came up to Mercy on the dance floor and said, Can I meet your pretty friend? Something like that, right? Yeah. I wrote it down. I'm very close to it. It's in my diary. And, and you introduced us. And he kissed my hand. So that was pretty awesome for me because I was a huge, huge fan of his. Then they invited us to their house. Threw us in the limousine. Yep. Well, they didn't throw us. They <laughs> after, us. after the gig, um, they took us back to the place they were staying. They had rented Peter Torque's house in uh, Laurel Canyon.
3: And we hung out with them there, and we hung out with them on many occasions. Okay, but you have to realize he's, who it is. It's Mick, Keith, Graham, you, and me. And Mick Taylor. Oh, is Mick there? I yeah, didn't even yeah, notice yeah. him. <laughs> Mick, t- <laughs> That's not very nice. They actually asked my, after he left, they asked my ex-husband to join that, maybe maybe join that group. Yes, I remember that story. Um, But at this time, I
2: was seeing Jimmy Page. Uh, So Mick was trying to get me in the sack for days and days, right? And I would not do that because I thought Jimmy Page was being true to me on
3: the road. And Mick kept trying to tell me he was not. And like, then it would get back to him. The thing is, we were sitting on, and I remember this very well, there was a big picture window, and we were sitting on a stair, what, uh, the carpeted stair in front of the fireplace. we just right. sniffed some cocaine, and all the cocaine went all over my dress. But it's just the of the way. <laughs> um, and he was, you know, what else he did, which really made me kind of eerie of him, is I had Otis Redding on, and he ripped it off the re- record player and put on the band. It's like, the band are great. The band are the best. Oh, my God. I went to Woodstock. Never mind. Woodstock, There when they did stage fright, not Woodstock, the festival. But um, the, the thing is that we were, what I was thinking about is that, uh, okay, we're sitting on the stair. There's Pamela, and then there's Mick, and then there's me. So Mick's talking to me about, you know, I heard that she likes... Uh, Jimmy Page, and he's very fickle. And it dawns on me who's talking to me after a second, and I look and I said, "What? Why are you doing that? Because she can hear everything you say. Why don't you just talk to her?" I mean, it was like the silliest school, oh and it was a schoolboy school stuff, boy thing. It, and
2: it was a whole weird schoolboy thing, you know. And anyway, I. So many things happened in those few days we hung out with them at Peter Torx. house. Yeah,
3: I read their tarot cards, yeah. and I, and, and I, uh, she claimed I told them this. I don't remember she telling She totally
2: them. did. I remember
3: oh, it so I well. Saw, I saw stuff in the cars, and I said, I wanted to say, and I, she says, I did say, I wouldn't do that show if I were you. It was Altamont. She, she said, Here's what happened
2: because it's in my diary. She said, Do you guys have something coming up that is secretive that people don't know about? It was the tower. You got the towers. And and Keith said, well, we're going to do this gig at Altamont, this free gig. And you said, I wouldn't do it. The cards say not to do it. I guess so. And he said, we have to do it. It's already all planned.
3: And they were all excited about it, jumping all over the place. That's why I kind of said like... God, should I say something to them? I mean, yeah. they, they think it's the greatest thing on the planet that they're going to do. I know. It was very. very they thought it was sad. a big thrill of those lines. And then she ended up at his hotel with it, motel with him. A hotel. It was hotel. a very fancy hotel. She, and he was a mess. I mean, yeah, he was totally a mess. He, said, uh, he was talking
2: about quitting the stones, and he said, it's, it's over. It's over. He saw the guy get knifed right? It was, was he knifed? He was knifed, right? He was knifed. Meredith yeah. Hunter. Yeah. God mercy. Very good memory. Anyway, it's a long Mick Jagger story, but um, we spent a lot of time with him. I remember dancing around the living room with Mick to his own, he played his own music. Of course too, he did. While
3: they were playing their new album for us. Well, I think that's what Al Green was probably listening to his music. But we got go. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe he did take it out of a tape box. I can't remember. Well, anyway, back to the Mick Jagger thing.
2: Finally, he convinced me, because actually, I had heard that Jimmy was not being true to me on the
3: road, and gee, uh, I wonder what he was doing. Well, <laughs> he'd be under arrest right now. Oh, stop!
2: So, so I had already let, I had already made out with Mick to the point where I was covered in hickeys. I mean, my thighs were just throbbing with hickeys, but I would not go all the way with him because I was you know, I was really in love with Jimmy Page and I thought he was being true to me, but he was not. So anyway, I finally, the night before they left, I finally went for it. It was awesome.
3: I'm sure it was.
2: <laughs> and he gave me all kinds of his clothes, you know. And you gave me some, and I lost them. Awesome. I know. I, the, the stuff from know, India. The, the stuff, stuff from that, India. Yeah, he gave me all kinds of... Stuff from India and, and a dress he wore in performance—a velvet—and you know, in those days, I had to just sell everything or give it to people. You know, if I had any of that stuff now, <laughs> I'd be rich. Anyway, okay, I guess we can wind it up, honey. That was fun, right? I guess so. Will, yeah. <laughs> will you? Will you? <laughs> will you come back and be my occasional sidekick? Yes, of course. Oh boy! Oh boy! Well, anyway, everybody out there, thanks for listening. This was my very first podcast. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be doing them more, and
3: I hope you'll tune back in. Okay, so thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Pamela for having me. I always appreciate it when we get together. Rock and roll archaeology, kids. All right.
2: Wow, wasn't that amazing to listen to Mercy's stories and the way she tells them. Nobody can tell a story like Mercy because no one has been through anything like what she's been through. And you've just heard just the tip of the old iceberg baby because she's coming back. She's gonna be like a oftentimes sidekick on this show because there's so much more to say and we know each other so well. And you know, just love each other like crazy. We're sisters in soul and she is about to actually drop her own book. She's in the middle of working on a book finally with Lindsay Parker, her co-writer, and it is gonna be something that you will have to read. So I just wanna thank Mercy for being here today, and I love her very much. In fact, I'm gonna have all kinds of interesting people coming up. All my favorites I'm gonna eventually get on this show. My next show, should have my girlfriend Cece Benhoff. She is an amazing singer. I have gigs in my backyard a lot and she has performed there a couple of times and people just cannot even believe it. They line up to buy her CDs. She, she's so unique. There's really no singer or songwriter that I've heard anything like her. So you're gonna dig her. She's coming up and I'm gonna have my friend Simon Petty uh, who used to be in Minibar, one of my favorite British bands. And in fact, I did there a record release party in my yard. I have gigs in my yard and you'll all have to come sometime. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you keep listening. And I'm gonna give you little bits of words of wisdom every time I do a show. And here's what I have to say today. Don't dress for your age, okay? Don't even think about wearing clothes that somebody thinks should fit your age group. I will never do that. I dress as flamboyantly and wildly and colorfully as I ever want. I put sequins all over my face. You know what I'm saying? Fly! Do it! Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And until the next time, I am Miss Pamela. And you've been listening to my pajama party. Put your pajamas on next time you tune in, okay? And keep up with all I do at PamelaDeBar.com. And you can interact with me on Instagram at the Pamela Day Bar. Bye-bye.